Leviticus 23, these are God's words. And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, The feasts of Yahweh, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of Yahweh in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of Yahweh, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. On the fourteenth day of the first month at twilight is Yahweh's Passover, and on the fifteenth day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to Yahweh. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. But you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahweh for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before Yahweh to be accepted in your behalf, On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to Yahweh. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to Yahweh for a sweet aroma. And its drink offering shall be of wine, one-fourth of a hen. You shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God, which will be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheep of the way of offering. Seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall offer a new grain offering to Yahweh. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to Yahweh. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull and two rams. They shall be as a burnt offering to Yahweh and their grain offering and their drink offerings, an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to Yahweh. And you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and two male lambs the first year as a sacrifice of a peace offering. The priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before Yahweh with the two lambs. They shall be holy to Yahweh for the priest. And you shall proclaim on the same day that it is a holy convocation to you. You shall do no customary work on it. It shall be a statue forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field. When you reap, nor shall you gather any gleanings from your harvest, you shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am Yahweh, your God. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, On the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing trumpets, a 
holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. You shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahweh. And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Also the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to Yahweh. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before Yahweh your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does, who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. And you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening. From evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to Yahweh. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it for seven days. You shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahweh. On the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahweh. It is a sacred assembly. And you shall do no customary work on it. These are the feasts of Yahweh, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire to Yahweh, a burnt offering and a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything on its day, besides the Sabbaths of Yahweh, besides your gifts, besides all your vows, besides all your freewill offerings, which you give to Yahweh. Also on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of Yahweh for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and Willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before Yahweh your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to Yahweh for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths, when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am Yahweh, your God. So Moses declared to the children of Israel the feasts of Yahweh. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. There is a rejoicing throughout the 23rd chapter of Leviticus and what God has accomplished in the first 22 chapters of Leviticus. Uh, there are two different names that he gives the tabernacle. One is uh, what we sometimes just read as tabernacle, and it's a word that means dwelling. Uh, and then sometimes there's 
the tent of meeting, which is the other name that it is given uh, in, uh, in Moses and throughout the, uh, throughout the Old Testament, uh, where it is a tent of meeting. And the word tent there is actually different than the word tabernacle in, uh, in the other name by which it sometimes goes. But as it was at the end of the book of Exodus, you had a great problem because it was the tabernacle, the dwelling place where God would make his glory to dwell in the midst of his people. But you remember when his glory came and indwelt the tabernacle, it ceased to be able to function as a tent of meeting because Moses couldn't go in to meet God. And you remember at the very beginning of this book then, those wonderful words, Yahweh called to Moses from the tent of meeting. It would be a tent of meeting yet. God would give the way of overcoming this obstacle. He would not diminish his glory. It would still be the dwelling place where he made his glory to dwell in the midst of his people, but he would provide a way for the people by their representative in the high priest to enter. Now, one of the difficulties that we have had along the way in our, um, in our preaching through Leviticus is translation that just uh, is not that literal. So we don't see uh, in the English as we have it in our version uh, so plainly, so easily what the Lord is saying. Certainly, every time we see the word burnt offering and we remember that that says ascension, we remember now Christ is ascended. And we who have laid our hands on him who has slaughtered for us and whose blood has been applied for our sake, we ascend by faith in him. We are with him spiritually. And some now, even their souls have ascended too, haven't they? They have died and their bodies are resting in the grave, but their souls have been made perfect in holiness. Remember from this morning, Christ the great fulfiller has finished that work of sanctifying them. And there their souls are with actual cherubim, not golden cherubim, past that which the veil had represented, joined to Jesus. Why? Why are they there? Because for the believer to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. And that's where his flesh has gone. And in the new and living way, now we visit week by week, right? We're quoting now from uh, from Hebrews chapter 10, which is where it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's almost like saying that it would be okay with you to die and not have your soul go to be with Jesus where he is in that of which the Holy of Holies on earth was a, was a copy. Would you give up the Lord's day assembly in that Sabbath keeping that remains? Hebrews 4, 9 said and starts to open up Jesus being the fulfillment, the completion of all of these wonderful things in the holy convocations of his people. But we get a little bit ahead of ourselves. We'll try to read to you uh, the first four verses, uh, replacing in places where uh, the word appears convocations, but it's just the word for call. Uh, it's the same word as at the beginning of the book, Yahweh called uh, to Moses from the tabernacle of meeting. And the word feast uh, uh, throughout this chapter is actually translating two words. Most of the time, 
It is translating the word meeting. Same word as from tent of meeting. And so if we had it more literally, it would be much easier to see, wouldn't it? The, the, the tent of meeting actually, uh, actually, I was going to say made fit for us, but it was we who are made fit for it in the, in the priest and the sacrifice. Uh, and now it is actually for them a tent of meeting. And now that they've got the dwelling of God among them, that is also a tent of meetings. Chapter 23 is the Lord saying, now here are all my meetings with you. Uh, and he was giving his people to have the rhythm of their life established by being called, holy callings together, or holy callings, being called to these meetings with God that would be weekly, yes, and we'll see in a moment, uh, but especially punctuating the annual rhythm of their life uh, under the administration of Moses. Uh, and those of you who... Uh, who have come to see that administration of Moses, administration of Christ, uh, should probably already anticipate. Well, especially if you did the devotional on Thursday um, or Friday, already anticipate that under the administration of Christ, it's not an annual rhythm anymore. It's a weekly rhythm because the anticipation has been fulfilled. We have one foot in heaven. Anyway, again, getting ahead of ourselves. Chapter 23, And Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the meetings of Yahweh, which you shall proclaim to be holy callings. These are my meetings. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of Sabbathing, a holy calling. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of Yahweh in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of Yahweh, sorry. These are the meetings of Yahweh, holy callings, which you shall proclaim at their meetings. The phrase appointed times there is actually translating the word meetings again. And, and you can see how redundant it feels if we make it literal. But perhaps if the Lord is being redundant, it's, in, it's intentional, is on purpose to drive home you see, you are not just created to know your God as all of your blessedness and you in his image set apart to him. The, the Sabbath, uh, the Sabbath uh, in verse three, that's something that belongs to all humanity at, at first, doesn't it? In all creation. But now that God has gathered to himself a people that he has saved from out of Egypt and called to himself, that Sabbath, which is a perpetual moral commandment for all people in all ages, now is for his people who have been redeemed through the blood of the sacrifice represented in their high priest. That Sabbath is a meeting with God on which he calls himself together. Or sorry, calls his people together to meet with him. Now, it can't be that sort of feast uh, that is uh, in verse 6 and then in verse 34 uh, and then in ver verse 41. In those three places, the word feast is actually translating a word that means pilgrimage. Some of you who know a little bit about uh, Islam will be familiar with a place called the Hag. 
Uh, and the, the Arabic word hag means pilgrimage, and it's actually borrowed from the Hebrew, which is the word behind these. One day they will have to make pilgrimages. Now, they don't have to make uh, pilgrimages yet because they're all gathered around the tabernacle the whole time in the wilderness. Some of this is not to be fulfilled until they come into the land. And now we don't have to make pilgrimages at all. Where do you and I have to go if we are going to gather to the tabernacle? Where is the priest and the blood of the sacrifice that has consecrated our gathering? We only need to assemble with his people wherever he has put us because the assembly on earth joins the assembly in glory where Jesus sits above the cherubim. The great display that Jesus is Yahweh. Everyone who has ever been saved, even if they had uh, any sort of um, errors in their theology, well, their theology is perfected upon death, praise God. We are all looking forward to that great uh, instantaneous seminary education that we will receive. But when they come to glory, who is he who sits above the cherubim? Is it not even now in his full humanity? the glorified, resurrected Jesus. And so this is something that even when they were in their dwellings, every week, every Sabbath in, um, among Israel, although they wouldn't go up to Shiloh when the tabernacle was there or Jerusalem when the tabernacle was there or Jerusalem late when it, later it was the temple that was there, even in their dwellings, they were to keep a Sabbath to God when they gathered, for instance, uh, at, uh, at a synagogue that was, um, that was central to wherever they were located, it was a holy calling together to meet with God, at least in this case, uh, in spirit, if they, um, they couldn't make it to make the sacrifices. This is one of the reasons why it was so necessary that, uh, that for every Israelite family, they would make the three pilgrimages a year that they would go and they would see the smokeified ascension as it was going up and know that week by week when they were back home keeping Sabbath, even in their dwellings keeping Sabbath, that this was a matter of the heart. The heart was to ascend to God in faith. The heart was to ascend to God in hope of the sacrifice who would come and would actually take away their sins. Isn't that what Hebrews says, that they should have understood from their ceremonial law, that the blood of the bulls and goats wasn't taking away their sins. It looked forward to it, but it wasn't doing it. How do you know? Because they had to do the same thing year after year. Was Hebrews saying, so long as they still had an annual calendar of sacrifices, they should have understood that that which they were keeping in their dwelling every Sabbath had not found its fulfillment. But now that God has given the once for all sacrifice of Jesus and the calendar of the church is not annual, but weekly, praise God. We know that that which they looked forward to under Moses has been completed in Christ. And we, in our dwellings, as it were, uh, also in our homes, true. And yes, you should keep Sabbath in your heart, and when you go home from the assemblies in the church, we should keep Sabbath in our homes. But here, as we are gathered in this satellite congregation of the congregation in glory, 
We have one foot in heaven, as it were. And our refusal to observe annual days says Jesus has finished his work. We worship in heaven. We assemble on the Lord's day. There is no longer this sacrifice that we have to attend three times to be reminded when we come back home. Every single week we have the Lord's Supper in which the Lord's death is proclaimed, displayed, not as something that we remember backward, but as something that we remember upward where he who has ascended and we by faith in him are seated with him in the heavenly places. The Israelite calendar, such as it was, was glorious. Do you see the great things that were pictured to them about what Christ would accomplish, about the purpose of our creation and our redemption and the canceling, the superseding, the fulfilling, the reality that came. And so we put away the shadows is all the more glorious. This is what your confession means when it says with less outward glory, but greater greater true glory, spiritual glory and efficacy in our worship. And so the tent of meeting is the tent of meeting in our Life, too, doesn't it? Isn't it? Week by week, punctuated around meeting with God. This is one of the things, if you have something else in your life that arises, sports or arts or, God forbid, TV programs or community activities or uh, whatever it is that threatens your being called together with the church, or if your government, should declare gathering together with your church to be non-essential. The believer whose entire life is being gathered to God to meet with him in Jesus and who is given a weekly assembly in which we participate by faith in that which is already occurring in glory, we will never give up assembly. The only way that they could keep us from doing so is by executing us and sending us to the assembly that is perpetual instead of weekly. But so long as we live in this world, we will meet in heaven every week as the Lord Jesus has given us to be able to do. Well, these meetings, these meetings uh, were not just memorial, but especially ongoing acknowledgement of mercies. They were centered in the first month where you would have the the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which included the Feast of the uh, First Fruits and started the timer for for Pentecost. And that would be the beginning of their harvest. Uh, The beginning of their harvest was 50 days long. Um, But the first part of their their harvest would be, um, you would have the, the Passover uh, on the 14th, and then you'd uh, have the evening and the 15th, unleavened bread would begin, and the 16th, the, uh, the wave offering of the first fruits would be, and then 49 days uh, from the wave offering, a Sabbath of Sabbaths from the wave offering, you would have the 50th day, which is what Pentecost means. You know something about numbers and the the root pent in English 
Uh, you can you can hear that there. Uh, but here they would remember that the Lord had redeemed them to bring them to himself uh, and that he took care of them. He was the one who gave them bread from heaven day by day because they couldn't sow and they couldn't reap. And so every day they received manna from heaven in the wilderness, praise God. Uh, and then when he finished giving them the manna from heaven, then he would give them the feast of the first fruits and the feast of Pentecost. And, uh, and you'd have this kind of opening of the harvest season, even though Pentecost itself would be the first week of the third month, roughly. Well, you'd have the first month, which had all those days in it, and then the seventh month. And in the seventh month, first day of the month, what happens? Are you paying attention as we read, you have the trumpets. Uh, and what do trumpets announce? Uh, trumpets announce the coming of something or someone great. In this case, both. They're gathering to the king. Uh, and uh, once a year, they would remember that this gathering to the king is not just uh, a calling together uh, for meeting with God at the, at the tabernacle of meeting on earth uh, uh, and a, a pilgrimage to the place where God has made his name to dwell, but that God by himself is more than anything else. And so they would all come up to wherever the tabernacle was, whether at Shiloh or whether at Jerusalem, or they were at least to do so. Where uh, We don't have much uh, evidence that Israel was ever very good at keeping these days, sadly, but this is what the Lord gave them to do. Uh, and they were to make, um, and I think it... It says fruit, fruit of beautiful trees. We have good. We have a, a footnote that says foliage. Uh, and to take beautiful parts of beautiful plants and beautiful trees and make these tents and have a camp out with God. Uh, and yes, kids, one of the reasons that you love campouts is because God has wired you that way so that you would view belonging to him and having just him, not your home with all of its conveniences and all of your things and all of the stuff that they, God forgive them and us for, because we are like them in our hearts, all of the stuff they grumbled they couldn't have because they were stuck out here in the wilderness with this manna centered around this tabernacle. When will we get to go to a land where we'll have our own house and our own property and get to, you have God. And so he gives them uh, not a day of, uh, of afflicting themselves for the tabernacle. The day of atonement was a day for lowering their souls, humbling their souls before God on the 10th day. But the, the Feast of Tabernacles, which would start on the 15th day of that seventh month, it was a day for rejoicing. It was a week-long day of remembering how wonderful the wilderness time ought to have been if they had rightly understood it from the perspective of having been gathered to God. And how often we need our Sabbath every single week as we've grumbled and complained through another six days. And I'm not saying that we 
aren't subject to grumbling and complaining on the first day of the week. God, forgive us and God, help us. How much we need to gather again to God, to behold him who is all of our joy, to say with the psalmist again, after having visited the holiness of God, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing else I desire on earth beside you. All Sabbaths were supposed to be that way. But there are these high days in the annual calendar and you can feel the annual rhythm, right? And you say first month, seventh month, they're six months apart. Tabernacles and, and unleavened bread are exactly six months apart and you'd have this kind of machine of looking forward to the fulfillment of when we would come at last to having uh, entrance into heaven and we would never again need to make pilgrimage in order to have meetings with God because he has brought meeting him to us. And you have this repetition in all of your dwellings, in all of your dwellings, in all of your dwellings, reminding us that this wasn't something that was especially for the gathering that was on earth, but something that they were each to take home. They were to take the provision of God, the memory of his being all of uh, all of their provision and their their redemption first in the Passover and their provision in the wave offering and Pentecost and wanting even to image God at Pentecost in two different ways, one for the priests and the other for the poor. You would bring they were to they were to bring now for every one of uh, of these high days, it came with the full gamut of offerings made by fire. That summary way that he describes here, uh, the, the sin offering, which would of course have to be uh, offered first, and then the ascension and the tribute and, uh, and the peace and all of those things. But at Pentecost, they were to bring a wave offering of, did you catch it in verse, I think seven, no. Yeah, it was 17. I was just on the wrong page. Baked with leaven. That wouldn't even be brought to the altar. Leaven couldn't come near the altar. He was given the priests good bread. I don't know if you've ever had uh, unleavened bread, which, you know, praise God for the, the good job that uh, is done with the unleavened bread that we have at this table. It was not meant to be as miserable as humanly possible for those of you who have ever eaten matzah and thought that matzah was holy. Um, but if you have a, a, even a good bit of unleavened bread, and then you have a really nice, nicely baked, some of you uh, have blessed uh, various families in the congregation with your home-baked leavened bread, and the priests would get that at Pentecost to go along with an extra peace offering and extra uh, sin offering. The sin offering was doubled, rather, uh, at Pentecost and so they'd get leavened bread and extra meat but he also makes provision for the poor doesn't he in connection reminding them that he who has provided for the priests that they should be imaging him uh, he has provided them with priests and they should be imaging him in this commanded generosity to the priests at that time and also when it comes to the end of that front part of their harvest time and um, you know, the, they had different crops at different times of the year. And what a wonderful land they must be coming to, right? There's going to be 40 years until they get there. That's their own fault. 
but it's going to be 40 years until they get there. And he's giving them feasts that come, you know, the, the first round of harvest is 50 days long and starts the harvesting for the year. Uh, and they would have the wave offering um, on the second day of unleavened bread. Uh, and once that had been offered, they could start eating from that year's harvest. But they would be harvesting different things for six months until they got to the seventh, the seventh month. Uh, and then they would have the slow season. You know, it's, it's like halfway to heaven, right? The trees that bear 12 kinds of fruit. And the, you have this, uh, this implication that uh, perhaps it, it's you know, continual fruit and variety of fruit. And God knows all the things that he's Im- implying there. But they're going to be harvesting different stuff for six months long. How generous is the provision of the God who has redeemed them for himself. But how infinitely greater than all of the rest of that provision is his providing him himself. And that was the point of their calendar that all looked forward to Christ to the year of his favor when Jesus appears on the scene and you have that, that first round of, um, uh, of, of teaching in the synagogues uh, in Galilee in Luke 4 and he picks up one and he reads from the beginning of Isaiah 61 and the year of God's favor. You have this annual calendar year after year after year looking forward to uh, a time when it would actually be fulfilled. And Jesus, uh, the start of his earthly ministry says, it's here. It's fulfilled in your hearing. It's not even a feast time. You're just in a Sabbath gathering at your synagogue, meeting with God in your dwelling. But he to whom all of it looked has just read and preached Isaiah about himself. This is fulfilled in your hearing. And praise God that Jesus ascended into heaven. And this is one of the ways that it was better for us that he would ascend. For if we had to gather to him who is the tabernacle on this side of glory, and we don't have our you know, teleportation bodies yet, you know, we would have to find wherever Jesus was. But now he has ascended into heaven and he poured out his spirit who joins us to him by faith applies the blood of his sin offering to us so that our bodies sprinkled with clean, uh, our bodies washed with pure water, our hearts are sprinkled clean by Christ's blood of an evil conscience. And we gather through the new and living way that is his flesh. So it was the point of our creation, as the point of our redemption. Every week of the Christian's life should be punctuated by remembering that this weekly gathering is also ending one day. There's a Sabbath keeping that remains for now, isn't there? But it will be repeated. Who knows? If there are mornings and evenings in glory, there is no night there. But we will have one continual, perpetual, and I don't know how the physics of the new heavens and the new earth work, But I know that when we get there, there will not be people trying to keep the old calendar of the incomplete state. And neither should we keep the old calendar of the shadow state under Moses. Now that God has brought his church under the sun, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. The annual rhythm was a rhythm of anticipation as they met with God, not looking back so much as looking forward to that year of favor and fulfillment. And now the weekly rhythm is still a little bit of a weekly anticipation, but it's also a weekly exaltation, E-X-U-L, rejoicing to come into heaven itself by faith. We will never give it up. We will not wish that we could go back to Passover and Pentecost unleavened bread and eat from the tables that they have at at those times can you imagine at the beginning of uh, of you know flowing out of the day of pentecost and and how jewish background believers uh, and they did they had such a hard time giving it up and god blessed them by destroying that temple praise god Uh, But even in the time between the day of Pentecost and the temple, you remember there were those who wanted to keep the days, days that the Lord had instituted and keep them unto the Lord. And it was a problem in Rome. Uh, And we'll get there in Romans 14, which is not saying, you know, any man can invent any day that he wants so long as he keeps it unto the Lord. Well, you know, what second commandment breaking insanity that would be is talking about the days that God had given them that looked forward to Christ and, and they, were, they were enjoying by faith in Christ and yet they were not appreciating how the resetting of the calendar from annual to weekly was a rejoicing in what Jesus had done and what they were being given to do week by week so that Hebrews 13 says, why are you trying to eat at their feasts? Why do you feel bad about their excluding you from their feasts? Go outside the camp where Jesus is and be with him. We have a table they have no right to eat from. We actually eat at table feeding upon Christ in fellowship with heaven. Put away the shadows. And one day as glorious and marvelous is what we enjoy Lord's Day by Lord's Day now. We will look back at this time as a time of incompleteness, when not all of Christ's church had yet been gathered in, when we were still struggling with our sin week by week and barely able to make it to the beginning of another one and so grateful that there was a Lord's Day and and there was this resting upon God and coming to him and singing and prayer and reading and especially the supper with our congregation because we desperately needed it so badly. But there's coming a time of perfection in which we will not just be like those blessed departed souls, the souls of the just made perfect, the reminder in that cloud of witnesses that God most certainly does finish the work that he started, that Jesus most certainly does fulfill all of it. But it won't just be souls. All of us will be gathered All of our souls will be perfected. Our bodies will be resurrected. And we will meet with the God who has called us to himself. Isn't it wonderful that that's what Leviticus is about? The God who saved us that we would meet with him. But we couldn't because he's glorious and we're sinful but he called to us from where he is. 
and gave us the way of drawing near so that we could meet with the God who called us. And all of that way turned out to be all about Christ. Praise God. Let us rejoice to meet with God weekly in his Son, our Lord Jesus, in the holy assembly where he had, which he has put by our dwelling places, even as we look forward to that final and forever meeting with God eternally in Christ in the perfected assembly in the new heavens and the new earth. Let's pray. How we thank you, our Father, for what you have accomplished in Christ. And we pray for the continued powerful working of your Holy Spirit to apply the redemption that he has accomplished. And give us, we pray, by your Spirit to remember the things that we have learned from your word, that we would rejoice to meet with you week by week, rejoice to enter heaven by faith, rejoice to come to table with Jesus, rejoice to have him preach from glory, rejoice to have him sing in the midst of our assembly and for our prayers to come at his throne, which is for us not only a throne of glory, but unto us a throne of grace. Oh Lord, what you have done for us already is marvelous and we uh, are so sluggish of heart that we don't appreciate it like we ought. Indeed, oh Lord, forgive us. Often our minds are distracted to worldly things and hearts, our affections uh, fly to other things than the Christ to whom we are gathered and you to whom we are gathered in him. Help us, Lord, help us by your spirit. Continue teaching us from Leviticus 23 and the whole book of Hebrews and, and keep us looking forward to being gathered and have perfect, been perfected with all of your people, which you will have done at last. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and grant to us, your bride, along with your spirit, to urge all who have yet to come that they would come to the Lord Jesus and receive money or receive food and water, the food of Christ, the bread of life and the living water without cost, without price in him. O oh Lord, gather into your church those whom you are saving. Perfect them in Christ. Help us by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.